Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. RacerX online. My name is Steve Mathis. Uh, please just subscribe to the magazine while you're at it. Uh, lots of cool things in there. Lots of things that we do not put online. So uh, go to RacerX and uh, subscribe to those guys. MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Use the code PB-PULP16 when you're checking out. To save money at MotorcycleSuperstore.com, they've got over 700 trusted brands on their website, and they are the place that they want you to go to for to check out all things uh, motorcycle with top brands and gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. And brought to you by Fox Racing, Foxhead.com. Visit uh, Foxhead.com for all the latest and greatest in Fox gear. 2017 stuff out now. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, just some of the guys that wear Fox. Chad Reed also, he wears Fox. That's right, that's a brand new thing. So Reed will be in Fox in 2017. And uh, the global innovation leader in motocross racewear. If your dealer doesn't stock Fox, man, you need to go to a new dealer, like I said. So um, something different uh, today with this podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Steve Mathis. Might not be your cup of tea. Might be your cup of tea. Who knows? It doesn't matter because we want to do it. And that's all that matters to, uh, to make a podcast happen. So we're going to talk a little bit about old bikes, collecting old bikes, restoring old bikes. What's special about old bikes? And uh, and all that, and it's something that's uh, that's growing. Uh, I've built. I'm on number three for restoring, and it seems like more and more websites are popping up for sale for bikes like this, parts like this. Uh, with the cost of bikes, the more and more organizations are opening up a vintage or Evo class. Uh, of course, the vet designations that's growing each and every year with old bikes. It's really, I think, something that's starting to take off or has taken off and there's a whole market for it, a whole underground market for old bikes and old two strokes and uh yeah so i thought a couple get a couple guys on the line to uh, talk about this stuff um first up he works for pulp mx and uh does some stuff for meta and uh he's tony blazer what's up blazer how are you i'm well thanks mathis how are you good thanks for doing this I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you and I are kind of a moto geeks, a little bit moto dorks. That uh, you know, you restored a 1990 Honda CR250, and uh, um, yeah, you're into it. So I th- thought it'd be a good. You'd be a great guy to talk to, as well as uh, works for MX Sports at the Nationals. Uh, works at uh, Ducati. He's a friend of the show, longtime friend of mine. He's gro- turning into a mini prim. Nick McCabe, what's up, Nick? How are you? Steve, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. This was actually your idea to do this, McCabe, and, and it's a good one. So thanks uh, thanks for thinking about this. Yeah, well, I got, got bored of listening to your other stuff and thought, uh, <laughs> thought it might be a good idea. Uh, how many bikes you got right now, Nick? I don't honestly know, but probably well north of 100. Yeah. And you're and it's hard to, hard to keep track. Yeah. Truth. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you've sent me photos and stuff. And why do you... 
why do you do this? What what got into it for you? I mean, certainly like myself, I, you know, I get these old beaters and kind of restore them, make them up new and everything else. But you're just collecting bikes, and some of your bikes are in amazing shape. Wh- why do you – what got you into this? What's this passion? Well, it's hard to say. You know, collecting is a, is a weird thing, whether you're collecting cars, motorcycles, you know, guns, whatever, whatever it Stamps, may be. Stamps, right. Yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for me, it's um, – you know, certainly probably a connection connection to the past and, mm-hmm. and the bikes that I remembered and, and the bikes that I grew up around. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not into the early stuff. The, I mean, it's cool, you know, an early 60s or 70s bike or whatever is, is cool, but it's not, not what I'm passionate about. So uh, I just enjoy, for me, I enjoy the, the hunt. Is, it's probably the biggest part of the fun, finding <laughs> the stuff, going into weird places and old garages and, and digging stuff out. Uh, some, you know, for some guys, they love the restoration aspect of it, the mechanical right. aspect of it. But for me, it, it's, it's about the hunt. Yeah. And it's amazing blazer. Some of the bikes that Nick has, they're like brand new off the showroom floor, but they've been owned, but you're like, how does that, who rode that thing? It's still, you know, frame paints good and stickers are good. It is amazing. I know this stuff looks like some of it literally looks like off the Sherman floor. It's yeah. amazing. Even even the, some of the stuff that's even marginal looks amazing for its age. You know, it's, yeah. uh, I'm so jealous of his collection. It's absolutely mind blowing. Nick, uh, what is uh, and you know what, Nick, I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm 42, and like the Elsinores, the late 70s Elsinores. Nah, I know that people love them, and that's what really started the motorcycle boom in America. And they got a special place in, in the heart with Marty Smith uh, being dominant on them and racing. They don't do it for me, man. I'm just, uh, I'm 42. You want to start talking about 1981, 1982, 1983, I'm in. You know, I just, I think it just all has to do how old you are and what era you like. I just, I have no interest in learning about Elsinore's or restoring them or finding them or anything else. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've I've owned a few Elsinores. I've owned some of the early bikes, and like I can appreciate like a really clean stock one. Yep. You know, if you find it, still has a pickle silencer on it or original plastic or something like that's cool. And I definitely have had some over the years. But once once they get modded for racing and stuff, and if guys are still doing vintage stuff on them, it's just you know it's not not my interest. But to yeah. each his own. Yeah, you know? for sure. Are you? I think you're with me, Blazer. Right? You're more along my line. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you and I are about the same age, and um, if it's, I mean, the 70 stuff, again, it's like you said, it's it's interesting, but, you know, I always thought, you know, when I was racing, those guys riding around on those things were idiots, you know, the bikes half-time broke down, sounded like hell, and I can appreciate them for the history aspect of it, but, you know, anything pretty much past the 80s isn't really my, in my wheelhouse, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh, Nick, what does... Uh... What are a couple of bikes that are, are prized in your collection, or or the best? You said the thrill of the hunt is what uh, <laughs> excites you. Which uh, yeah. which ones were amazing? Which hunts were amazing? Or which bikes are amazing? Well, uh, I have a brand new 2007 CR250 that's never been started, which okay. is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I know that there's 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 some out there. I mean, you'll see them pop up mm-hmm. here and there on eBay or something, but that's pretty cool. I um, I found it. It was a classified ad, and it just said CR250 2007, brand new. And uh, it was like, guy was asking, I think, four or five grand or something. So I was like, huh, brand new. Wonder what that means. Yeah. It can, can mean a lot. Yep. And uh, I called the guy up, and it turned out it was, a, it was an estate sale. 
and uh, the guy had actually it was the guy's brother or something, and he the guy was was you know died unexpectedly. He had a small collection of Honda uh, stuff from <laughs> from garden tractors to, to lawnmowers and just stuff he'd bought brand new and, and didn't ever put gas in. I, I don't ask me why. I mean, he yeah. happened to have a, a CR250. And uh, so it was out in the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains, so a little bit of a drive. We go out there, and there's this shipping container, and sure enough, we open it up, and bike is brand new. Gas in, tank. In the crate? have a gasoline. In the crate or no? No, no. not in the crate. It had been prepped. Yep. And uh, he had actually bought the bike from a dealer that I knew who was, uh, who was also a Ducati dealer. So I, I made a deal on the thing, and, you know, it was brand new. Clearly never written, never started. Mm-hmm. And... Um, called the dealer and said, hey, do you remember this guy? You know, because I got the paperwork or whatever. And he yeah. said, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy, he was he was this nice guy, a little a little strange, but, you know, nice guy. And, yeah, he he uh, he had clearly said, do not put gas in that bike. It's going into my collection. <laughs> okay. And uh, so yeah. I, then I got the dealer to write me a note saying, saying that. So that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah, last ever CR250 or no? Last Say one? Again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand seven was yep. the last year. You know, I think you know it, it's in ten or fifteen years. If the two strokes don't come back from Honda, it, it'll be it'll be a very interesting bike. But you know, if two strokes come back, then who knows what will happen? Yeah, I, I'd like to, and I almost pulled the trigger on a pretty good ninety seven first year aluminum frame. Of course, we know the bike wasn't very good, but to me. I thought having a ninety seven would be pretty cool because that was such an innovative thing. Uh, um, and they're out there. They're in, and they're, they're they're in pretty good shape still. So you know, if there's one bike you can find for cheap right now that that is cool, I, I think it's that bike. You bring up a good point, Steve. That the the, the 97 CR250. They're not in demand. I mean, except for Ronnie Mac. Yeah. Uh, but but you can buy them for you know eight hundred twelve hundred bucks, and if you find one still has the stock graphics and whatever on it, um, man, I I I probably grab one and just tuck it away. They look cool too. Yeah, yeah, they do. They... That bike still does look cool. Yeah, it still does. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, Nick, what is your deal with KX eighties? What is your fascination <laughs> with KX eighties? Have you noticed that Blazer? He's he really likes KX eighties. He has a fascination with KX80s and ATC uh, 200Xs. I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Probably because that's what I have the most amount of photos in my phone. So when I get bored, I send them out. No, I, I have these three or four KX80s. Uh, uh-huh. I rode one when I was a kid. And I found these bikes uh, in California. And I picked them up for like literally like each one, like 500 bucks or something. And it was, you know, the bikes were ridden by mom at the campground. Uh-huh. I swear to God, every single one of them, I, you go there, you go to some family. Yeah, we used to go to the desert. I bought this for my wife back in 1990, 1991, and then she rode it around the campground. And you look at this KX80, there's no frame rub on it. The plastic is perfect. The grips aren't damaged from, you know, falling over or whatever. Stock handlebars, stock grips, stock, stock, stock. And it's just like the thing is like, you know, maybe has 20 hours on it from a very, very novice rider. So I've got, I think I have a 89, 90, 91, 92 that I found, <laughs> all of which have the same story, yeah. none of which are related, but um, that's the way it goes. I look at, I, Blazer, do you look at Craigslist in your area a lot? 
Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, I check it out to see if there's anything interesting, but I never seem to find anything quite like he finds. No, it's like unmolested. My, Everything's beat to death. That's my point, and you did the Mutant Emoto column on Pulp MX here and there. Everything I find in Vegas here or surrounding areas is hammered. I've never found these bikes, these campfire bikes that Nick McCabe finds, ever. <laughs> Nothing. Everything is hammered so bad. <laughs> So, Do you ever actually ride them, Nick? Do you pull them out and fire them up or anything, or they just sit in your in your storage area? I I, I don't ride any. I mean, I ride I ride a, a CRF two fifty MX bike. I don't ride any of these bikes. I get them, and hopefully, I get the time to drain the fuel out of them and drain the carbs. Uh-huh. I might start them when I first get them, just to say that I I've ridden them. But uh, no, I don't ride them. I have no interest in riding them. Uh, okay, besides <laughs> the two thousand and seven CR two fifty, what else is are you super pumped on, Nick? Um, I have a really clean 93 YZ125, which was a cool bike that I used to race back in the day. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that bike back in, a friend of mine found it in New York. And um, it's uh, completely stock except for the handlebars, really clean, all original graphics. That That's cool. I have a 1990 CR125, which is, which is primo. Um, that was a sister bike to the, uh, to the bike I sold to you, Tony. And uh, the, the same guy had the, the 125 and the 250. And that, that same thing, that was his girlfriend's bike. Same thing as those KX80s. Um, what else do I have in there? It's a really clean 89 RM80, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that thing is sweet uh, looking, yep. You know, the, the bigger. Is it yeah, it's a big with the RM on the shroud. Um, what else do I have in there? I've got an 89 CR500 and an 87 CR500, both of which are super cool. Mostly stock. Yeah, it's and, uh, it, it is uh it's a like I said in the, in the intro, Nick. This is a growing a growing part of of racing right now is these Evo classes, these Evo bikes, and as I said, the price of the new bikes, people are rediscovering these things and racing them and people are selling aftermarket parts for these. I I can vouch for that. It's it's a growing thing. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, as as a fan, all of us you know, get into the sport. And it's like, how do you stay involved in sport? You know, if you still want to participate, it's one thing to be a fan and just watch it on television. But participation now in the sport, it's like, it's, it's different. You know, do you used to be back in the day, you go to your local riding spot, but now you have to go to the tracks, you have to pay, there's a million and one kids running around. And so I think that the vintage thing allows you to stay connected to the era that you grew up in or that you were most passionate about and whether or not you're just wrenching on the bike, restoring the bike, put it in your office, or you actually go out and race it with whatever the local race organization is. It, it allows people to stay in the sport. Um, what you need for your collection, Nick is, and I agree you wrote this down here as a future bike. I've always thought having a Cannondale would be cool. Uh, I've yeah. always thought having a Cannondale would be cool. Of course we know yeah. they were junk, but, have you ever had a chance to get one? You know, a couple of them, I've seen a couple of them pop up, and uh, they've been expensive, two or three grand, which I think if you're buying a used um, a used ridden machine is, is a little bit too much. And they weren't, you know, I went to go look at one, and I think the guy was, was more than 2500 bucks. It was cool, but it, was, it wasn't clean. It wasn't, it wasn't that nice. So yeah. I, I just passed on it. Um, you know, George Barber at the Barber Museum has um, – I think three of them. He also has two Ferries bike too, Steve. Yeah, yeah I, then, I, I actually built that bike. That's funny. People have sent me photos. I had to do that thing for the Barber Museum. Yeah, yeah, it's in the library there. And um, 
So, yeah, the Cannondale's cool. So, George Barber, he's got three of them, and I think he's got number 001, which is cool. Yeah. I thought Cernix had that one. Uh, no? I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, don't know. I thought George Barber did. but Blazer, have you seen any around your area? I have only seen ever one in person, and that was when it very first was unveiled. My buddy had a Cannondale store. Um, well, he had a multi-line dealership, but he actually sold Cannondales. And I remember he had the gear hanging on the wall uh, for sale like about a year before they actually even got a bike. That was Everything was so delayed. And then when you finally saw it, it, it looked like such a heavy turd. Um, and I actually only saw them in action one time. I went to the U.S. Open that year. They had them. Uh, maybe the first year they were maybe mm-hmm. 2001, maybe yep. they raced them there. And I was, the, uh, that's like the only time I ever actually saw one actually running in person. And it's amazing. It actually made it through the night. Cause I think they just blew up every time they started them up. So, um, Nick on your list here of bikes that are popular, um, a 1984 KX 125 and a WR 500. What, yeah. what, why do you, why do you think those are ones that people dig? You know, that's a good question. I think the 84 KX125 was actually a pretty good bike back then. It was, yeah. And 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 I think that they sold a ton of them. And so I think the, the reason why the perception is that it's popular is that the guys that have them have good memories. And, so, and there's, enough, there's enough guys out there that seem to want them. Um, I don't know. I think the difference between the 83 and the 84 KX, they, they changed it substantially. It was kind of a... The, the a big a, a revolutionary jump I mm-hmm. think uh, and, and I'm not I, you know those early cases I don't know a ton about but I just know that they're pretty popular and the WR 500 that's a good question you know <laughs> you can find them used pretty beat up and, yep. and people don't really want them but I've found a couple of really clean ones and then I you know they everybody's like if you get a mint one you know let me know let me yeah. know and and it's uh right. it's, it's it's interesting i think because it's a one-year bike and it's the final most modern evolution of the uh the yz490 and i think that you know bradshaw and dubach raced that thing and uh, and it was pretty well documented yeah i mean hey everybody I've it's a y- one of those things you have Oh yeah, it's a YZ490 with blue baby blue stuff. Good job, guys. I, yeah, I know, but it's just something. It's because it's so unique. It's a cool bike. It's different, and like you said, it's like a YZ490, which I've ridden plenty of those. They are hunks of junk, but there's something cool about it because it's very unique. It's like got modern YZ stuff with that old motor. It's just yeah. a weird thing. And like you said, Bradshaw actually won a moto on the darn thing. It's kind of an you know interesting footnote in Yamaha history there. Yeah, no, I, I'll give you that for sure. Uh, 87 and 89 Hondas, of course. Uh, yeah, the most. The yeah. most popular for this generation. You know, the, the one thing to keep in mind about vintage stuff is it's always moving. You know, every year with new bikes means that it's another, you know, what, at what point does a 97 CRT 250 become vintage? Yeah. I, I don't know when, when yeah. that is, but, you know, 15 years ago, vintage guys were into Elsinores and that's it. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. you can be a vintage guy and have a YZ400. A, a 1998, and, and you're a vintage guy, right? Yeah. One of the bikes you have that you say that isn't that popular surprises me. An 88 CR250? The first year yeah. of the low boy pipe? I mean, I thought those, I like the blood red color. What What happened? Why? why? I, don't, I, I don't know. I think the 89 250 just was overshadowed it so much that the guys that 
you know, the, the cutoff for, for some of the international vintage uh, racing scenes, whether it's UK or Australia, the cutoff is 89, and the suspension on the 89 was a lot better, and the bike was close enough, you know, similar enough that, that it just seems like that, that that year is way more popular than uh-huh. the 88. I think the 89 The 88 is... wasn't a great bike either, though. The 89 was a much better bike. Even well, they look similar. They perform much differently. Suspension-wise, 89 is, is worse off than 88, but maybe motor. Why is 89 Yeah, better? the motor was better. The motor was mellow in 88. And most people actually thought, I mean, I'm sure you could fix the 88 forks, but stock, they weren't very good that year either. Yeah, they were. The ups, 89s were really bad. So. Right side ups, right. Um, right. Blazer, did you, you got a 90 from Nick and restored it. Why a 90? Why did you get that one? Um. Well, I mean, that was probably my favorite year, those early 90s um, CRs. Uh, I've had, I had a 96, and I've had a bunch of them, obviously, over the years, but 90 was my favorite. I had all three bikes that year. I had the 500, the 125, and the um, 250. I, had a lot, I raced it a lot. I had a lot of success on that bike. So that has kind of a – it's like uh, one of those bikes that's particularly special to me, even though uh, I think the 89 probably is a cooler bike, the, the blood red color and everything else. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I never owned the 89 though myself, so it doesn't have quite that same, other than just the abstract appearance of it, it doesn't have a personal connection to me like the 90 did. Hmm, interesting. And then you, you built it and rode it, right? Did, did, why'd you sell did. it? Why'd you sell it so fast? What was your deal with that, Blazer? You know, it was one of those things where I was riding, I rode it actually for a couple of months. Um, I was riding with my buddies, and they have modern bikes, and I was jumping back and forth. And it was the only bike I had at the time. And it, as entertaining as it is, when you ride it back to back with a new bike, it feels pretty tobby. The brakes don't work. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, 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 you come out of a corner and like uh, I bought a new 250F and there's a little triple out of a corner. And you just you're brap on the four stroke and on the two stroke you're feathering the clutch and trying to get it to go and it just it gets pretty frustrating. It's, it's beautiful to look at. Um, and my wife, more or less, what what it was, my wife said, "Hey, if you want a new bike, you got to sell the one you got." So that was kind of the end of that. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you, "Okay." You should have sold it back to Nick. I know you you did all the work for me. Yeah, really, right? Um, So, are you planning on doing it again, Blazer, or no? Is that is that was that did that get did they get out of your system? No, no, I'd love to do it again if I found the right bike. Um, I'd love to. There are a couple of bikes I'd love to do, like a Bradshaw replica and find a '92 YZ and do something like that. I've talked to Nick actually. I I had another bike that I always had a soft spot for, although everybody seems to bag on them as the '96 RMs. I had a a new 125 and 250 and 96 when they went back to the right set up forks. Um, and I'd love to find mm-hmm. one of those and do a restoration on them. I've had some older ones too. I did, I did two CR four eighties restored them and they were cool, but I think I'd rather stick to the nineties. When you get back into the eighties now, it's, I mean, even when I did that 10 years ago, it's hard to find some parts for stuff, you know? Yeah. Nick, don't you find, uh, Suzuki's and Yamaha's old bikes, mm-hmm. Hard to mm-hmm. find parts for, not much demand. Nobody really cares. Uh, I, I, of course, there's specific models that that, that that doesn't cover, but generally speaking, Suzuki's and Yamaha's, no one's like really that excited. No one's that pumped to get them. Yeah, like you know, an '87 YZ125, like right. You know, like, like who cares? '88 YZ125, like unless you had that bike and you yeah. won your first moto on it, guys don't care. Yep, I <laughs> Nobody agree. Nobody cares. Like '88. RM125, nobody cares. No, blue know? motor, and nobody cares. Like, 89 RMs, okay, they look kind of cool. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. They, were, they were cool. Yeah. But basically speaking, um, 
no one was that much into him. Um, and and Cowies, I think I feel like Cowies, like eighty nine Cowies. You know, people love racing those. Like you said, Nick, the cutoffs for eighty nine, and they had good suspension and good motors to them. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't hold up very well, but but I can see where eighty nine Cowies are into it. And, and and you said the eighty four, of course, and and Hondas are always are in demand. But yeah, just Suzukis and Yamahas, like I don't know. I, it's funny, you know. You you see. They, those bikes don't age well. You know, you can get an 84 Honda uh, or, or some of the older the, the Honda stuff, with the exception of the magnesium water pump covers. Uh, the Hondas age so much better, and, and that's true across the board, whether it's dirt bikes, ATVs, whatever it is. And I, I don't know if that's the initial engineering that goes into it, but, you know, the plastic holds up better. The engine case finish holds up better and it just seems like that that the the overall quality of the the honda build is just stronger from from my opinion well i'd agree with that okay so i've done a 90 cowie uh an 88 yz250 and i'm working on an 89 honda right now the difference in fasteners from an 88 yeah. a yamaha 250 to an 89 one year honda the difference in fasteners is incredible that yamaha is built like a piece of poop there's separate washers everywhere, Phillips screws, Allen keys, eights, tens. Uh, it is un- there's four bolts holding on something that only needs two. It is such a pile, an old school chain adjuster uh, that comes off the back, you know. Um, it is such a pile, the Yamaha built-wise, to this 89 Honda one year later. No wonder mm-hmm. why. I mean, we all, all three of us know the Hondas had it going on back then, but when you want to talk about just building them, like just, there's a, this, this 88 Yamaha has a, a, a steel uh, bracket from the center of the frame that goes down into a T and it pops out to both sides and the radiators bolt to it. And you're like, what are you guys doing? Why would you put this steel T in the middle of the up high on a oh, it's just terrible. Phillips screws with with loose washers everywhere. I just I, you're you're like come on guys. The Honda is built so much better. Yeah, if you look at, like when I did that, 80, I've done a couple eighty threes, and even as far back as eighty three, they have uh, they have the build quality of almost a modern bike. The, you know, like you said, modern chain adjusters, and it has a fully removable subframe, and the the silencer's aluminum, and yeah. uh, everything on it feels like a modern bike. And I had, when I had that, I had a 9,500 a couple of years ago, I got rid of, but that thing was 25 years old. And I swear to God, it felt tighter than my two-year-old KX250 did. You know, and, and just, it's amazing, but it's true. The Hondas yeah. just hold up better. Yeah, it's this Yamaha drove me nuts. I'm just like, oh, toss that washer, toss that bolt, toss this, you know, measure everything, try to get rid of removable clutch cover. Like, nowhere to be found on 88YZ. Nowhere. Subframe, wow. nowhere. Nowhere to be found, removable subframe. You know, you're just like, what are you guys doing? What's going on? <laughs> you know. So, Nick, you're right. The Hondas are way better and way more desirable. The, the only thing to look out if you're buying an older Honda is, like I said, the the magnesium water pumps were were prone to uh, to going bad, and, yeah. and for some reason, the the radiator fluid inside will turn the water pump to basically what when you take it apart, it looks like toothpaste inside, and literally. That's on pretty much 100% of the Hondas that I've that I've come across. It just 
just depends on how bad it is. Yep. Uh, unless the person ran uh, high quality um, radiator fluid, which back then, you know, and that, was doing. that's from like 83 to like 88, they ran that, right? Or something like that? Beginning, be, yeah, I mean, beginning with, with whatever water cooled Hondas, yep. you know, 81, 82. Or whenever the magnesium uh, yeah. portion of that was was I think was 80, yeah, 89 I think was the last year the, the first year that they got rid of that problem right they yeah my, mine is not mag yeah mine's fine so yeah. 89 so um and then Nick you say an 85 CR 250 isn't popular why is that a good question I, I, at least from my standpoint it seems like that bike is not in as much demand as is really the 87 I think a lot of what I see too is you know the 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 overseas collecting for vintage racing so mm-hmm. people so if you're racing the vintage class and you're into it and it's like hey 1987 is the last year or, or for example in europe i think there's a in france there's a vintage 125 class that goes through 84 well you're not going to do it on an 81 or an 82 cr 125 <laughs> you're going to do that on an 84 cr 125 because the technology and the bikes was growing so quick and i think that so a lot of the, the vintage guys just want the newest and final year for right. whatever class they may be in. Yeah. So 85 is kind of cool bike, but you know, really the 87 with the rear disc, uh, I think is, is. Oh, 86 that, had a rear disc or no? No, 86. 87. 87. Okay. 86. Yeah. 87's first year. Well, the 85 two part of the problem with that too, is that was the last year with the ATAC motor and that engine was really slow. In 84, they were a rocket, but they kept blowing up. They kept cracking pistons yep. at the uh, the bridge, and then they melded the motor out in 85 to make it more reliable, and that's it's pretty darn slow. Um, and the 86 is, like, so much better performance-wise. I think that's why, even though the 85 looks almost the same, there's, like, night and day difference in performance. And like you said, if you can run either one, why would you get the slow one? Yeah, know? and I think 86 first year of cartridge forks. Yep. First year for the Cardiff Sports. So, which, which is yeah. a big deal for, for everybody. Um, Nick, you said a 1990 Cowie is not a popular bike. <laughs> hey, no, sorry, Steve. It's a, I love it. I have one. When have that thing, hey, when you look at the 90 Cowie, I mean, you look at bikes that, that, that sort of changed moto. 97 Honda. Yeah. Elsinore. Uh, 88 Honda 250, maybe you can make a case for the low boy pipe and getting the center of gravity lower. And I would put yep. a 90 Cowie on that on that thing. I mean, it, it introduced a perimeter frame, uh, a street bike sort of technology into moto. Um, yeah, what's wrong with 90 Cowie? I just I, I they don't they don't seem to be too much in demand. I agree. I think the bike is cool. I have one, um, and and I occasionally see them come up. There's not many of them out there, actually. I mean, I, I rarely have come across them, um, but and I think they're cool. I think they look cool from the graphics standpoint. They're really wide in the middle, but uh, I, I I don't know. I just I love this can't. bike. When they came out, I was in love with that ninety Cowie, like back <laughs> in the day. So yeah. cool. The thing was so cool. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like um, when I was first. Deciding, like, I'm like, hey, I'm going to build a bike. I'm going to build an old bike. I want to get into this. And I looked for an 89 Honda or a 90 Cowie. Like, I, and I'd never owned either one. Um, I wanted the 90 Cowie because I always thought they were so bitching as a kid and they were so different that I wanted, I've, but I never had one. Um, I rode Hondas in, in 90. Um, and that was what I went for. Like, so, and my 88 YZ, I never owned one of those either. That was a, a, a friend of mine in Alaska that, that said he's got one in pieces and he'll give it to me. Uh, but I always thought it would look cool with the big shroud on the side, you know, look like a YZM a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then the 89 CR125, I had an 89 Cowie, 
that was slow as crap. And my buddy's 89 Hondas were, were, you know, twice the bike that was. But I chose an 89 Honda to rebuild because I always thought they looked so cool and they were great bikes. So all three of these bikes I've been building, either built or building, um, have no connection to me racing-wise. You know, it's, it's weird. Like, Nick, you talked about how I yours, you know, yours have connections to you, a lot of your, a lot of your bikes. So, I mean, some of them do, but, you know, yeah. I have uh, the RM80 that I have. Like, I, I have no connection to that bike. I just thought, said, wow, that's a mint bike. I, yeah. had a, uh, I had a super, super clean 92 RM250. Uh, I sold it, actually, to a guy who was on, on Vital MX who contacted me. Um, like, and, uh, and that, that's, the, um, that's the, the gray and yellow splattered seat? Or was that the yeah. 91? No, that's that was ninety one. That was purple and purple and yellow was ninety two, right? Purple and yellow ninety ninety two. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Could be. That was, then, was then you know what? My, mine was ninety one. My my bad on that. Oh, it's a ninety one, oh, and it had the good seat. Okay. Wow, that's a relative term. Good seat. <laughs> that's, and that, that that was the thing. It had, the graphics were were mostly in place. I think it was missing the. Um, it was missing the, uh, the, the the number plate graphics, but you know, finding one of those is like a needle in a haystack that that's completely original. Um, but I had no connection to it. I just saw it. It was a bike from the '90s, and I was like, "Wow, that thing's cool!" and scooped it up. Huh? Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I almost wish I didn't sell my Cowie. You know, Chicken came out and rode it, and uh, I still got the '88 YZ, the Diamond Road. Um, but I got offered a ton of money for it. But I almost wish I didn't sell it because. I have an 88. I'm building an 89 right now. That could have been a 90. You know, I could have. I could have. The, the, the collecting bug is hitting you. Well, I think they might end with this, McKay, because I just don't have the room. And, you know, um, this, this 89 Honda, too. And that's another thing. Blazer, when you were doing yours, when you bought it from Nick and were deciding to restore yeah. it, were you, you made yours into a Stanton replica. But what kind of decision did you make to either keep it stock and turn it into a restore, or what you did, a restore mod. Like, that's a big, hotly contested debate in the vintage community, yeah. how you restore these. What what made you want to do it, the restore mod, uh, um, I started out thinking I was just going to make it, like, stock. But then, as I got into it, I started finding there were some cool, like, places, like Evo MX and some other places that make some uh, pretty rad decal packages, make it look like the work spikes. Um, I actually almost... Uh, went down the road of getting some like works clamps and everything else because there's some dudes and there's little like factory mechanics in Europe that still have some of this HRC stuff they can sell, but it, it gets really expensive. Like uh, the hard stuff to find is like these uh, those remember those little works fork guards that the Honda ran? They didn't yeah. like, wrap around stock ones. They had those like yep. TMV or yep. whatever they are. And apparently the the company that made them the factory burned down in the early 2000s. So that's like almost like the holy grail. You can't find the dang things. And if you do, they're just outrageous. So you can quickly go spiraling down a rabbit hole trying to make it as works like as possible. So I, I just I, I thought it looked so much cooler with like those HRC covers and uh, some of the other stuff. And once I found one thing that was cool, it it just you know, you get the bug and then you're like hunting on eBay and hunting on yeah. the internet and yeah. networking and trying to find all oh, mine. If I can find this, I can find that. And I, I just got kind of sucked into it to be honest. <laughs> but, but you were going to make it a Stanton replica just because of the coolest stuff of aftermarket stuff bolting on. Yeah, exactly. I, I was actually torn on whether to go with a 91 or a 90, even though the bike was a 90. I, I, 
I kind of like the wackiness of the 91 in hindsight. I hated it back then, but now yeah. it's kind of cool. Yeah. So that part I debated a little bit, but um, I think once I, cause I, I couldn't, I didn't have a stock pipe. I mean, if, if the bike was more like completely stock when I got it, I might've, might've just made it that way, but I already had some things on it that I, that weren't going to be hundred percent OEM. So why not? Well, Try and make it as close to Stan's bike and look. And plus, it's, that's cool, man. Jeff Stan was a bad dude, and that was a great-looking bike that year. Yeah, see, that's where I was at. Like, okay, I don't mind doing the restore to stock. I'm, I'm okay with that. But where am I going to find a stock pipe for these bikes? Where am I going to find white bars for my Honda? Remember, they came with white steel bars. Um, yeah, exactly. If you're not going to do it 100%, then you can't, you can't do it. You can't, you know, you can't be half-pregnant type deal. So I right. was thought about pipe silencer handlebars you know f my life just make it mod restore mod that's how i attached it you know attacked it so um and and you know race tech did the suspension for me and all all three of these bikes and um you know it's just it's too much of a hassle uh nick how many are your bikes some of yours just bone stock as the showroom as they came off yeah well you know for me i i don't I have so many bikes I don't particularly enjoy working on stuff. So <laughs> for me, what's cooler, the, the more stock a bike is when I get it, yeah. the better. Like the, like that RM250 I was just talking about was stone stock down to the grips, tires, really? chain and throttle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I just picked up a uh, 84 CR83 CR80, completely stock. It's a little little faded. The, the plastic's a little faded. Mm-hmm. I think it was left outside in San Diego for a little while, but... It's completely stock grips, tires, chains, sprockets, everything. Um, so I just need to find some plastic for it. Seats in good shape, and it's like, you know, yeah. The the, the more stock you find the stuff, the better. But again, if you can't, then you may as well just go. You know, re- right. Re- and, and you know, I think res- respiration is a you know, it's a personal exercise. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, Absolutely. You know, pay a custom painting a helmet or something. You know, if you're restoring a bike, you're restoring it for your reasons, whatever your connection is, whether yeah. you know. Jeremy Lagrasse was your hero, or Jeff Stanton was your hero, and you know the the uh, the amount of '93 CR250s you find out there that are Lagrasse replicas. There's tons of them. Well, honestly, I I wouldn't do a '93 or '96. They're they're played out. They're really yeah. played out. And no offense to the guys that do it. It's awesome. They do a great job. But I don't want to do that. You know, I, um, yeah. who would have ever thought like an '88 YZ250 would be done, right? Like nobody, right? I just, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I got the. You know, I got the actual real number sixes that Ron Heben cut out for Mick Diamond, Mickey Diamond back then. Like, that stuff that is cool, cool to me, you know? That how was the much, coolest part about that. Go ahead, Blazer. How much? I said that was the Sorry. coolest part about that. No, I apologize. I said that was the coolest part about your, your Restore project was those those numbers he did, the actual real ones. That was bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was it. They were they were right off Ron Heben's template that he made in 88. So, um, and, and, yeah, at some point, too, Blazer, like you talked about, like at some point, you know, we're not super rich, so you have to be like, "Oh, how much do I want to go into this?" You know, sure. I mean, you could spend twenty grand on one of those things if you went insane. You know, if you really wanted to make uh, a real replica of something like Jeremy Road or something, some of those parts are out there. But you know, what does a set of eighty-nine HRC factory Honda forks go for? You know, it's going to be four well, grand or something just for the forks. And I even, I even like, I could have bought an aluminum tank for this '89 Honda. There's a lot of '89 Honda aluminum stuff from VRP. You know, the guys that made it back, the Terry Good imported it back in the day. There's swing mm-hmm. arms and subframes and aluminum tanks, and I'm like, nah. I mean, I'd love it. The swing arm looks badass. I'm just like, no. Like, I just, 
I gotta put a limit here, you know, on, on these things. So, uh, you know, because I, I don't have a museum like, like Nick. I just have a house, a regular house. So. <laughs> I don't have I don't have a museum. I'm in a storage area that's packed to the gills, but it's fun. Yeah, you know, that Steve. You mentioned the VIP stuff. That that's those are some very very cool parts, and 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 you know they weren't that popular here in the U.S. But VRP was Verona Racing Products, it was right. an Italian company, and they made some really cool stuff. Uh, somebody had said that they were a supplier for HRC in the '80s and '90s, which would explain why you know they made those swing arms and the the, the aluminum mm-hmm. subframes and stuff. I had a um, GR500 that I found out somewhere in Reno and um, it had a VRP subframe and aluminum air box. Oh, wow. Where I guess, yeah, and I'd never seen one before uh, and it was all one piece. And uh, I guess the idea was that the cooler, I did some research on it and I guess that the, the air box kept uh, things, aluminum kept it a little bit cooler uh, inside and therefore was, was better for performance. But either way, it's just mm-hmm. a very cool, very, very well, well built part. I think that yeah, Terry Terry Good was was on the line racing back in the day. Was a huge collector himself. Um, you know, he had that that team with Eric Kehoe and mm-hmm. Ty Davis in ninety ninety one or somewhere around there, and uh, he was importing that stuff. And then prior to that, Pro Circuit was importing the subframes. And I think that uh, VRP was building Pro Circuit stands back at the t- at the time or something else. Not, right. Not totally clear. Uh, MotorcycleSuperstore.com, RacerX Podcast, Nick McCabe, Tony Blazer, Old School Bike Talk, uh, brought to you by, presented by Fox Racing. Listen to this commercial from uh, Racetech and uh, use the code to save money at Racetech Suspension. And Michelin Starcross 5, also brand new tire from the folks at Michelin. Uh, so listen to this commercial and uh, we'll be right back after this. Thanks everybody for listening to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com, RacerX Podcast. Thanks for listening, man. These things are going great. And I'm stoked with the responses from everybody. And uh, you guys have been doing a great job with the downloads. Don't forget the Fly Race and Moto 60 show on Thursdays. The Pulp MX show on Mondays. The NFAB Racer X Fantasy show sometime in the middle of the week. And the Motorcycle Superstore, they're a passionate team who speak moto. If I'm talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride to the latest parts and gear, this is what drives them to be a place for you to check out all things motorcycles with the top brands in gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. You want to save there. They got everything you need to get out and ride. Go to the website to check out their inventory of brands, uh, over 700 of them. Do you speak moto? If you do, go to MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Use the code PB-PULP16 to uh, 10% off participating brands. PB-PULP16 saves you money. All right, let's get to these commercials from Racetech and Michelin and MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Thanks for listening. See you after the break. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... And probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, 
or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. MotorcycleSuperstore.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing, Tony Blazer, Nick McCabe, old school bike talk, uh, lots of fun, and um, talking about our, our restores and everything else. Blazer, if, you know, your wife said you had to, if you want a new bike, you had to get rid of your old bike, and I get that, right. but what bike would come up on Craigslist for you to beg, plead with your wife to restore? Is there one? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... I would love to have, I had an 87 CR 125 back when I was, um, you know, back in the eighties. And I, I would love to do one of those if I could find, I, I actually went and looked at uh, 87 CR maybe six months before I bought that one from Nick, but it was pretty ratty. And the one thing that's, it's just hard to find one that's not beat to death, you know, and, and the concern about the water pumps a problem too, because it is nearly impossible to find those replacement stuff for that mag uh, water pump. But if I find a clean one, I would snap one up. I'd say, you know, consequences would be damned. I'd get it. Yeah, what are they doing with those water? Aren't people making right side cover cases? Aren't they out there? Yeah, I think there's a couple guys making them. I've seen some aluminum ones. You know, it's it's going to cost you four or five hundred bucks. They're they're maybe probably even more. And I think that there there's 
just a couple guys that are kind of doing it out of their backyard garages. Yeah. And I think that availability is tough. You know, sometimes you might find one for a guy that's making it for the 84, but it only works on those two years. So yeah. full availability is, is a challenge with those. Um, this 89 CR that I'm doing, it's, it's going to, I don't even tell Pookie what I've, what I've been spending on it. I, I uh, I ordered a set of those <laughs> a set of those clutch and ignition cover Honda racing ones uh, from nice. Phil Denton Engineering in England. I ordered some tie for it, uh, some of the, just the cosmetic stuff um, for it. I got Gary Emig wow. making me a set of custom triple clamps because I'm putting a, a, some set of WP upside downs on it. Like I just nice. Ah, uh, Nick, you're be, you, Nick, be you're the one who's like boxing here before you know. Oh, I know, Nick, you're the one who sold this thing to me. And he, <laughs> I blame you, right, man. Yeah, <laughs> I take take full responsibility. Hey, that finding an '89 CR125 is it's hard. I I have not seen one. That was what six months ago. I have not seen one since for sale. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it, it is weird that way. People are either holding on to them, or they're just not out there. You know, they're just rotting away somewhere. You know. <clears throat> Um, also, too, uh, old gear as well. I don't know about you guys, but I look on eBay every now and then for vintage JT stuff, vintage axle stuff. I'm always looking, see if there's anything cool. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a sickness. Go ahead. It's fun. It's fun to come across some of that stuff. You know, sometimes you know when you go buy a bike, the guy hands you his gear bag or whatever, and you open it up. And there's a brand new pair of Axo pants in the bag. And you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. And you know, most of the time, it's just ratty old. 25-year-old stinky jerseys, but yeah, yeah. every now and then I've, I've come across some really cool stuff. I had one guy uh, who handed me a full uh, JT kit from uh, from 89. It was the Rick Johnson Bad Boy Club gear that they oh, yeah. sold that one year, yeah. and it, it was, it was awesome. in good shape. It wasn't wasn't perfect, but it was uh, it was my size and everything. I, I you know I just thought, man, this is pretty cool. But you know, I paid you uh, with it? I paid eighty dollars for a V2000 on eBay. And I got it, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why did I spend $80 on this thing? It's sitting in my studio, and it just hangs out, V2000. You know, and I'm just like, I always loved these things when I was a kid. Uh, and I just, I, I'm under, I don't know. I don't know why I bought it. I have no idea. It's, you know. it's decorative looking, artwork I'm, for you. Yeah. I, go ahead, Blizzard. I'm always looking for, like, the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm always looking for like the uh, Jeremy McGrath '94 Cinefalo stuff. I had I had a set of that, and I gave it away to a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, three years after it was new, and you know the uh, the replica gear he wore that year. You know, it's like a holy. You never can't find it, never see it. So I'm always on the prowl for that. Yeah, yeah well, if you think about it, McGrath wore Cinefalo only two years, '93, '94. Yeah, exactly. And, and and it was pretty cool colored stuff, and and yeah, it is hard to find. Um, a V2 uh, or an ALS2, I got one of those. I traded a guy a complete set of plastic uh, from off Ferry's bike for an ALS2, and it's Michael Stuziak. Remember, you know him, Nick McKay? Yep, yep. He, he, yep. he regrets it to this day, and I'm like, yeah, too bad. So I got a V, I got an ALS2 here <laughs> um, that just kind of sits there, and I'm just like, what am I doing with this? What, what am I doing with an ALS2? <laughs> those JT helmets, those things, you know, three, four, five hundred bucks, they're, they're not cheap. Oh, do, oh, do they have some value? I didn't know that, yeah? Absolutely, yeah, the ALS, too. It depends cool. what, which one it was, what the color combination, but, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're quite valuable. Um, I, we never had them in Canada because they were not Snell approved. So in Canada, they were not around. They were super rare, hard to find. No one had one, you know? So 
one of those things where, where again, kind of how you grow up and what you do in early in your life depends on what you want. Like, I always wanted one because they were so rare in Canada. I, I wonder, you know, pre-internet how much, you know, the, the pages of MXA and some of the other magazines, but mostly MXA sort of influenced people. And, you know, I know that that big number six Mickey Diamond bike, I mean, man, that thing, you know, I think it was a cover bike a couple times back in 88. Yeah. I remember that thing. And so... You know, the collecting market, I think, is partially influenced by what was out there in the media at the time. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, there's there's so much media that it's, I think, that part of that's been kind of kind of lost. I was telling uh, Dave from Renthal, like, you guys should make those cloth pads again. People yeah. love those things and sell them because there's lots of ripoffs and knockoffs out there. I had a guy make me one for my 90s. It was pretty rad. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the same guy that did the ignition covers, he uh, 3D printed those ignition covers for me. He actually sells the the cloth ones. Yeah. like They look just like the real thing. I know W2, WUSA, that did my wheels uh, for all three of my bikes. Uh, my Honda, I'm going with uh, black uh, Talon hubs with gold gold rims, the old school gold. Um, well, at least you weren't going with a crazy color this time, thank God. Yeah, you didn't like my black rims on the Cowie. No, no, that was not a good. That was not good. See, I'm not like one of these guys that says, okay, it has to be 100% stock. But when you put like a red sprocket on it and purple wheels and crazy stuff like that, then I'm like, okay, this is a bridge too far for me. I'm sorry. No, it looked bitching. If I'm going to do a mod, I'm going to make it look bitching. Put black wheels on it. I, I guess. Um, I mean, I, God bless your turbo. I can do whatever you want, but yeah. Yeah, and the, the so so Blazer, you also got you just dropped it. You were also upset at my red sprocket on my Yamaha. I was not a fan of this as well. No. Well, screw you, bro. I liked it. I, I knew I, I didn't bring it up because I knew you'd tell me to go f off. But <laughs> by God, I wasn't a fan. Well, I mean, when they send you to you, what are you supposed to do, right? When the company right, sends exactly. you, yeah. it was a cool looking sprocket. Now, uh, where were we talking about though? Before I got mad at you. Um, what uh, Rinthal, Rinthal Barker. No, W. Yeah. W yeah. No, 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 W. Uh, yeah, W did my, wheels, did, did my wheels on all three bikes. That They helped you out as well, Blazer. But my point yeah, being, getting back to the Rental cloth pad and the, and the different things, W is experiencing a big, a big growth in vintage wheel building. Like, yeah. like, and again, it goes to these guys. This is what people are doing now in 2016. They're going to race old bikes. And yeah. that was a huge he, problem with those old bikes. You know, the wheels were pretty weak. I, I used to go through rims like crazy on my stuff. So it's that's that's one of the weak points on the old bikes for sure. If you yeah. actually take them on a modern track, you know, they, those wheels don't hold up very long. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, the that that's a common problem I've seen, especially on the the gold rimmed Honda. Always you get those straight cracks. That Tony didn't didn't that CR you got for me didn't that have yep. a crack or something somewhere in there? Yep. Both yeah. rims are both rims are cracked. Yeah. If I you know pushed it very long, they're probably just going to explode. Well, Tony, don't worry. The the bike Nick sold me, the tranny was was like play doh. So I, 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 I had to buy a tranny. There's a good reason he doesn't actually ride his bike. I know, I know. No, I'm I'm bugging you, Nick. You didn't know. You had no idea. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, hey, it's, it's, you're buying something 30 years old. And right. No, I know. I'm kidding. Comedy Tim Tour. Hey, especially though, like uh, you'd think the Honda, like they always held up. Like you know, so I was pretty surprised when I pulled the tranny out, and it's like, oh, geez, wow, well, okay, you know, so. Well, you don't know how far it could have gone, you know, even though it looked like hell, you just don't know when that ticking time bomb would actually explode, you know? So, that's, that's so Nick, you, rebuild them. you talked about a bike in San Diego, and you talked about a bike in New York, and you live in NorCal. What, yep. what are you looking at to find all these, like, where, how many hours a day do you, are you on Craigslist across the country? <laughs> no, not, not that much. Believe it or not, you know, 
I, I have a lot of friends all around the country, mostly, you know, on the two coasts who send me stuff. And, you know, sometimes you hear stuff from guys you bought bikes from. And, you know, I'd say I probably look on the Internet, look around once a week, maybe. Oh, okay. That for, yeah. a couple, for a couple hours, usually yeah. it's like nine, ten o'clock at night, and I'm just bored, and I start clicking around. But I don't, I don't actually search that much. I'd say... 40 to 50 percent i find through that method the rest of them Mm -hmm. just find me um i've got you know some guys down in socal and and both in san diego in in the inland empire as well as in ventura area who i think they enjoy probably hunting as much as i do (laughs) they send me something hey what about this like blazer that rm that i sent you my guy in ventura just sent it to me he's like hey did you see this and i'm like hey that's pretty nice and then you know if i tell the guy hey go get it then I'll throw him, you know, 150 bucks or something, and he'll grab it. And yeah, it's it's a kind of build up a little network of of pickers. Well, yeah, when I got the Honda, you had a shipping guy and everything already lined up. Here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I'll get it to Vegas, don't worry, or wherever you got it. I forget where you got it to. But yeah. um, what about uh, uh, Nick? For you, like, does cost is 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 cost a bigger obstacle to getting these bikes, or desire of wanting the bike, like? You know what I mean? Like, if, it's, 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 if you found a nice stock bike from uh, something that you like, is it almost, you know, you'll dump the extra money because it's that? Or, or is cost really what holds you back, no matter how mint the, the, the bike is? Well, like, I, I won't buy something that's been fully restored. You know, every now and then somebody will be like, hey, you know, here's my CR250, brand new, powder-coated frame, new plastics, all that stuff. You know, give me twenty five hundred bucks or yeah. two grand or something. You look yeah. at it, you'd be like, "Wow, I know that guy spent way more than that doing it, and that's right. a pretty sweet bike." But I think, you know, for me, it it just comes down to the more original, the more stock, the lower hours it is, the more I'm willing to pay better money for it. You know, on on the you know on the eighties and nineties MX bikes before the aluminum frames, you could always tell how much frame rub they had on it from the boots, how much you know wear was underneath mm-hmm. the frame, is the swing arm scuffed up. And so, you know, you can usually get a pretty quick idea um, how how much time the thing has and how hard it's been ridden by looking at those. And I, you know, I'll, I'll pay good money for something that that that's mint. I mean, that RM250 that I was just speaking about earlier, it's, yep. I paid good money for it, but I I felt like it was worth it because I'd never seen one before that was in that condition, and I to this day I've never seen one since. So well, why'd you sell it? I don't know. I just <laughs> I don't know. I, too much too much room. You know, not yeah, enough yeah. room, I should say. Right, right. So I I have this this space where I keep it. It's a it's a, a an airplane hanger and I found it and it was cheap rent and it's like it's great. But, you know, I I like hey, I finally have some room to keep, you know, keep all my bikes and yeah. can, you know, work on stuff if I need to. Yeah, well, 8 months later it's full. Yeah, really. Jeez. Uh, it's like a, it's getting to be an addiction for you. Um, yeah, could be worse. Bikes are cheap, you know, fifteen hundred bucks, yeah. thousand bucks. You know, yeah. it's not. You, you know, I've met guys who collect cars and whatnot, and you know, if you're buying one one bike a month, two bikes a month, it's not yeah. an expensive thing, really. At the end of the day, and yeah, you know, if you if you buy right, mm-hmm. they hold their value. I sold the the Cowie because I was offered a lot of money for it, or what I felt, anyways. Like what was really, you know, worth it. Um, I don't. I haven't even tried to sell the Yamaha that I did, the Diamond One. I don't know about this '89 Honda when it's done. 
because I just uh, I don't think I can get like if someone offers me a ton and I, I'll be like okay fine like cause when you count the hours you put into it and, the, and you know and the money spent into it it's it's not really like it doesn't really matter it's not enough to just like I'm not in a place financially where I need the small amount of money you know so right. um yeah I just I just you know but I, you know Steve the bikes that you've done they 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 have a pedigree I mean they didn't start with a pedigree but now you know a diamond bike your your bike is probably the only bike in the world that has those numbers that are actually the accurate ones from Ron, you went out and had Mickey Mickey ride it. I mean, to to a collector, maybe an overseas collector, uh, that thing is it's worth something for sure. There's nothing else out there that's like it. It's completely well, unique. Yeah, it's so Mickey's sweat still on it, probably. Well, I know I washed yeah. it, but <laughs> you know what? I, I had, the hardest time I had with that bike is like in '88. Again, thank you Yamaha. A side uh, a side axis airbox, right? And the air yeah. the air the, the, the Airbox lid, the air boot, boot lid is is connected to the side panel, and you can't. It was painted black stock, but you can't find that now. So I'm trying to keep it black, and I got this spray paint plastic and with coating, and like within 20 minutes of ping and Mickey Diamond riding, it looks like shit again. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, what, do, you know, how do I get this thing painted black and to stay black? Like, you know, because you can't buy Don't any other parts. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, too, Blazer, how many, how much problem did you have getting OEM parts for your Honda? I, I'm on this 89, and I gotta say, even though I just bagged on the Cowie and the Yamaha for uh the the construction of the bikes i could get oem parts way easier that amazes me because my experience has been like with kawasaki's that they don't seem to carry stuff very far back so i've had some older kawasaki's too but for the most part most major things i could get there's some things like uh, i would love to have replaced the kickstarter the kickstarter a little play in it that's not available you can't get the knuckle you can't get the actual arm itself um, some stuff like if you wanted an actual OEM seat or a tank or any of that stuff, none of that's available. But uh, a lot of the little stuff you can still get. Like you know, if I want to replace all the rubber grommets or all the you know doodads here, there, and, uh, most of that stuff is still pretty available. I was pretty happy with it. I, I think so many of those CRs were sold that Honda still yeah. kept them in stock. I mean, that's the only problem. You get a really obscure bike, um, I, you know, like even like an '84 KX or something. I can't imagine that there's enough of them still in circulation to be worth Kawasaki keeping the parts available. You know, you're almost yeah. probably looking for aftermarket support on that stuff. You know? My 90 Cowie was pretty good, and this 89 Honda bolts are fine. Bolts and fasteners are no problem, but no rear brake pedal, no Kickstarter, no shifter, uh, yeah, no foot pegs. Um, you know that kind of stuff. You're just like, oh, geez. you couldn't get the. That's the problem. Like I, I did find some of the stuff. I got a new shifter off eBay. You know, some people have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did too. Stuff. Yeah. But yeah, from the Honda dealer. Yeah, you can't get that stuff anymore, unfortunately, which is disappointing. I could. I can't get the the, the little screws that um, hold the throttle cap housing on. The little, they're, you know, they're they're countersunk. Yep. Yep. The I, tiny little screws. I know exactly which one you can. Yeah, I can't. Well, I got one. I found one on eBay, and I got one. I don't know what's going to happen when I finish it because I, I need I need another one. Take one off. I was. Uh, oh, go ahead, Nick. The the. the the parts availability crystal ball thing is a uh, is a pretty pretty amazing. You know, Honda definitely has more parts available for all their bikes across the board uh, than most of the other manufacturers, and I think that's because they produced and sold more bikes and probably did a better job of of stocking uh, stocking parts for them as well. Mm-hmm. Almost, you'll find in looking at this stuff, almost all the cosmetic stuff is gone. Yeah. You know, number plates, seats, shrouds, decals, stickers, stuff like yeah. that is yeah. most, 
mostly all gone. And then it starts getting into things like, you know, like you guys are talking about brake pedals, and, you know, oddball parts that are, that are important to the, uh, to the aesthetics that, you know, those start going away as well. But, you know, I was, I was down in Torrance visiting a friend and some guy walks in and he's like, Oh yeah, I work for Honda in the parts department. And I was like, Oh man. I was like, how does it work? How do you know when stuff's going away? How do you know, you know, to, to reorder yeah. radiator shrouds for a 93 CR 250, you know, cause there's some, you know, like you can get fork boots for an 86 CR, you know, 125, 250, they're the same 86, 87. You can get front fenders, mm-hmm. you know, that, that orange color, but it's like, how do you know what they're? And he's like, it all just depends on what what we reorder based on volume, based on you know how much people are buying them. And and I, I was drilling him for info, but he was pretty pretty tight lipped about it. <laughs> nice work, Nick. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's been a bit of a bit of a struggle to, for me to get stuff for sure. Bolts and stuff, no problem. But a lot of other Did stuff. Did you have any trouble getting training parts? That was one issue I had with my 480. I couldn't get the. I blew a third gear out of it, and it's just no longer available. I had to scour salvage yards and stuff for. Yeah, I um, I actually, I priced out a new tranny. It was going to be quite expensive, so I just ordered a one off eBay for seventy five dollars, and I hope it's better. And I'm yet to get it. Wow! So I just hope to get That's, it. Uh, complete tranny for seventy five bucks. Yeah, complete. So if it's garbage too, uh, I'm out seventy five bucks, and I got to get the gears. You know what I mean? But. Sure. Um, I'm going to sure. gamble that that it's it's in be- it says it's in shape, but not that that means anything. So, um, sure. it's a bit of a yeah, a bit of a cluster that way to 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 figure it all out. Um, all right, uh, what else can we what else can we touch on here? Uh, thanks to the guys at Guts Racing too. Foams, foam. They got foams for a lot of old bikes because that's they're they're junk most of the time. And uh, I've put Technosol seat covers on all three of my bikes. I just like the Technosol look. It's clean. It's racy. Um, yeah, just all I've, I've got Technosols on all three bikes. Are those guys the Cobra cover or the standard one? Uh, the Gripper one, yeah, Gripper. Yep. I love those; those are so cool. Yeah, Nick, they're 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 still out there. They're sold out there. It's pretty cool. I think the guy who made them, Nick, is um, he has a different company out of Italy now, and I actually got a, a new one from from the place he owns it now. It's under it's under a slightly different name now, but you can still get the Technosol covers and like you see them on eBay for a stupid amount of money, but if you go to the Italian distributor directly, you can get them for like what they anything else would run you like 50, 60 bucks or something. Yeah. It's funny, you know, sometimes you you see stuff on eBay and you're just like and then you can go and find it, you know, somewhere else and you know from directly from the from the source. You yeah. know, maybe a small distribution and it's just like I've I've had a few situations like that where you're about to hit the the buy button, and then you go and you do some more digging, and it's like, wow, hey, here's a guy who's actually producing them, and he only wants half the price. Yeah, yep. It's, networking is the thing, you know. You, once people know you're into this stuff, you know, so you're talking about with finding bikes, you know, somebody will say, oh, hey, I know somebody who does this, or I know somebody will send you a link to the email, and you find that person, and it, it's, you know, that's part of the fun of the whole restoration project is finding all the parts and stuff. Yeah, all three yeah. bikes I've built, I've I've had to take the brakes completely apart, get them uh, sandblasted the paint the black paint off the off the caliper to turn it into aluminum and shine them up you know scotch them up and make them look like you know with the paint off to make them look decent and uh, that's been a pain in the ass all three bikes have, have had painted calipers the yamaha had a black upper and a, a aluminum lower like why would you paint one half of the triple clamp black yamaha why why would you do that paint the other one black or leave them both aluminum like there's no sense to that 
Hey, Remember look. when Kawasaki used to paint the, the swing arms? Like, they'd look silver. Like yeah. It was bare aluminum, but it was really, and as soon as you oh, did yeah. anything, it would uncover that ugly black underneath. Like, why would you do that? It's yeah, aluminum. yeah. I had to strip the 90 swing arm. But I luckily, I remember from my privateer days, Blaze, what stuff to buy from Home Depot. And uh, <laughs> it worked perfectly. Like, I used to do the Birdwell's oh, nice. bikes, right, um, when I was a privateer mechanic. And the same stuff, this aircraft paint remover, you, you, you coat it on with a brush, and, and it really comes out pretty easy. So. Did you paint the swing arm red, Mathis? No, no. Why would I do that? <laughs> nice. Oh. Talking about the Mathis sprocket. sprocket. <laughs> oh, whatever, bro. Sprocket's fine. Vortex <laughs> racing. Thank you. Um, I yeah. So uh, um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, Nick, we got it. I got to come out there and sometime check out your little print. Oakland, movie. man. When you come out for for Oakland Supercross, you know, book a flight later Sunday afternoon out of San Jose, back to Vegas, and. Uh, Actually, I don't know if you get United direct out of San Jose, but uh, out of San Fran or Oakland. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take you down to the hangar. Yeah, it'd be cool, cool. To, cool to see it for sure. So um, anything else, gentlemen? A lot, we could say a lot, but I think we've talked uh, yeah. for a bit here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we could probably do a part two and a part three. Um, if you want to uh, uh, email me, use the contact form on pulpamex.com if you want to send me a photo of, of uh, your restore job or your bike. I'll share it with Nick and, uh, and Tony as well. Um, so feel free if you guys want to do that, if you're into it. And if you have any tips or anything else, uh, send it all away, and I'll, I'll pass it on, and we can uh, try to start a community here. Um, you know, or, or I can just go on vintagebikeads.com and just say, wanted HRC parts from mid-'80s. <laughs> like, I, I don't... Good. Good luck with that. Do you guys ever see those ads on there on Vintage Bike Ads? Just wanted. Oh, yeah. 1986 Rick Johnson factory motor. Thank you. You're like, uh, okay, buddy. Good luck. So, Well, some of that stuff is out there, although, you know, you'd have to probably go to Cliff White's garage or, you know, Brian oh, Lewis's garage. I talked to Cliff about this 89 Honda. I'm like, what do you got, Cliff? He's like, nothing. <laughs> so, I don't know. Shane Drew has a Shane Drew has a uh, you know, a Honda HRC number plate, upside down number plate, you know, the special Yeah, clear ones. Yeah, clear ones. He ain't TMV made those, right? Yeah, yeah, TMV made yeah. them. He ain't giving it up though. I had one on my bike when I raced locally cuz you could buy them for a while. So. Yeah. Um, I got one yeah, off things. Those things are like 300 bucks. Yeah. What's that, Blazer? I said I got one off that Doc Wob guy in England. You pay a pretty penny for it, but he had some uh they had a limited run. The UFO made some replica ones in the late 90s, early 2000s that were, like, translucent like that. Yeah. And I, I paid through the nose for it, but it, it was, you know, a pretty good replica of what the HRC stuff used to look like. Yeah. yeah you just got to pay a lot for all that stuff. Yeah, you know? UFO made white ones upside down. They looked pretty cool, but they weren't the same. They weren't, you know. Well, I'm saying, exactly. They, they had a limited run of the ones that were actually translucent. Right, Like right, the factory yep. OEM ones. Yeah. But, again, yeah, it's a replica. It's not the same thing, obviously. But, yeah, get it. I'm okay with it getting it close. You don't, I don't need to have somebody say, ah, oh, it's not the same. It's, it's, it's fine. Sure. It's close enough. You know, like, it's good. Close I, enough, exactly. I put the effort in. So, uh, Nick McCabe, Tony Blazer, uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. This was fun. Uh, uh, good times. And, uh, and thanks, to, thanks, thanks to both of you guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Have a great Christmas, Christmas everybody. All right, see ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. 
forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey,